You are listening to the Real Estate Proverbs Podcast with host Kevin Jefferson. This is the number one podcast for African-American real estate professionals who are doing extraordinary things. It's time to tune in. And now, your host, the people's lender, Kevin Jefferson. Jefferson. Welcome to Real Estate Proverbs Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Jefferson. And today we have a special guest from over in Jamaica, my brother, Jason Thomas. How you doing, Jay? Doing tremendous, Kevin. Good to be here. Glad to be part of this enterprise, what you're doing. I appreciate your work very much, sir. Man, thank you, man. I appreciate your work. Definitely appreciate the work that you're about to give. Uh, and there's these gems you're about to drop on us, man. So tell us a little bit about uh, who you are. Gosh, I don't even know where to start with you, but I am um, first and foremost a family man, a husband with the two beautiful boys and a lovely wife. Um, decided to be one of those who left the U.S. a few years ago and, and migrated to our home here in Jamaica. And I'll tell you this much about myself. I'm passionate, number one, about helping others. Um, there's a saying that motto that we live by here is that your income is determined by how many people you serve and how well we serve them. And so for me, this started as a venture when I graduated from college in uh, Oakwood University in Huntsville, Alabama back in 96 and some time now. Uh, with a finance degree, I thought that I would be working um, in New York, which I did for a short period of time, but it did not last long simply because that was not my calling. I found that the financial markets, it's all about the money, all about the Benjamins. And we've seen all sorts of movies, haven't we, in regards to how much one can make Wall Street. But I found that when I transitioned into the mortgage industry in the early 2000s and moved to Miami Beach and started my own mortgage company, I found that most of us in our communities were being overcharged for mortgages, for loans, and other financial services simply because we did not have a knowledge base. And so for the last 20 years now, Kevin, it has been my pilgrimage and desire to educate individuals and consumers about not simply about debt, but about the science of it. It's the science that we don't understand. And when we unlock the science of how it works, we can change lives. So I've done these presentations and seminars in Dubai, in Athens, Greece, and um, all over the United States, and of course, right here in Jamaica as well. So my area of my specialty really is in dealing with consumer debt. I call myself the interest cancellation king in showing individuals how to go about canceling the most amount of interest on their debt. Wow. So let's let's start with um, the mortgage industry. Around what time did you get into the mortgage industry? So I had moved back to the U.S. from London in 2000. And I started at the end of 2000 in credit restoration, long before all these other companies had come about. I started doing that first. And girlfriend at the time said to me, Jason, you are helping a lot of people get their credit straightened up, but they're doing this so they can acquire mortgages, but you should get into that space. It wasn't interested. It wasn't until 2003 that I got involved in the mortgage industry and worked with a mortgage banker, and he helped me launched my first uh, company within the space. And we did that in 2004. So from that point on, I was in the subclass helping individuals really get the best rates in, in that space was what I did in the subprime industry. So I've been in the mortgage space now at the time for four years before, of course, we had the downturn in the market, right? 2007, 2008. If you remember, especially living in South Florida, the market just changed dramatically. And I was forced out of the market because of the 
downtown turn of the market. So I actually transitioned. I actually transitioned from putting people into debt to now showing them the fastest way to get out of debt. So I call myself a recovering mortgage broker. <laughs> That's what's up. So yes, when did you uh, get out of the mortgage industry? So it was, I had literally just come off uh, from my honeymoon, got married at the end of 2006, uh, end of uh, Christmas time. Um, and from that point on, when I came back from my honeymoon in January, I didn't close another loan, did not close another loan at that point in time. And so for me, there was no other business, no business that I wrote at that point in time, unfortunately. So really 2007 was when I got out of the mortgage industry. And at that point in time, I was literally in the wilderness, I would say, for about six months, not knowing what to do and, and what had hit me at that point in time. So I did not transition into what I do currently until I would say close to nine months later when I got involved in the current space I'm in. So what did you do in between? Uh, walk around my, my condo with just a pair of underpants on and, and, and a t-shirt. Uh, just not knowing what to do, to be honest with you. I, I, I tried quite a few different things in between that. I got involved in an industry of multi-level marketing. I got in, into that space and uh, looked to see what I could do and, and made some money, but it just wasn't sustainable for me at that point in time was what I did. And then um, my wife, um, I just got married, uh, was also working for 99 Jams in, in, in Miami. And so uh, she was transitioning because her company had just got bought out by Cox and she didn't decide what the, the Cox really cleared house, really brought in their own people. So both of us were really unemployed and uh, we we just took it easy for about six to nine months and, and instead of got into the MLM space and got in and got out and then transitioned into what I thought was really my my niche, my fit in, in the mortgage industry now, but just on the opposite side of it now. So who introduced you to your industry that you're in now? So it was a good friend of mine, a gentleman that 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 um, I had met. Ironically, I had gone to my parents' home to do a presentation with a company that I was with in the MLM space. And there was a gentleman that sat there. And I had everyone go around the room and introduce themselves. And so everyone said the name and what they did. And the gentleman got up, said his name, and said that he had just relocated um, um, to the market. And he had a 30-year mortgage. He was going to be able to pay that mortgage off in eight and a half years, saving over $220,000 of interest he did not have to pay back. And he was going to do this without ever having to refinance. His monthly payment still remained the same. And his monthly budget didn't have to change. And then he sat down. So everyone looked around the room to see, to see who this person was after telling the story. Now, here I am doing a presentation in the MLM space. But here's what happened, Kevin. At the end of my presentation, everyone wanted his phone number. <laughs> wow. Because they, they wanted to know, how in the world are you able to do this? And you just got here. So... A week later, my parents called me and said, remember the gentleman that was here who shared the story? He came by and did a presentation and showed us that with our mortgage. Now, my parents had only been in their loan for four months. So for four years, sorry. Four years. 30 or more. Four years they've been in. The analysis that he presented shared with them that they would have to pay off in seven and a half. I said to my father, now I've got my mortgage hat on and I have a finance degree. I said, Dad, there's nothing. He that the monthly, your monthly budget would remain, would remain the same. He said, yes, that's what he said. I said, Dad, does that make any sense? 
said, I said, Dad, don't even entertain it. Because as a finance person and mortgage broker, I've been in the space now for a number of years. I have never heard anything like that. I said, tell you what, just give me his name and number. Let me, give me his number. Let me, let me call him. Because they were very interested in getting started on this program. But they knew, he knew, I should say, that in order for them to get on board, he would have to come to me. So we set up an appointment. I'm back in my condo in South Florida. And I remember sitting there um, looking at the intercoastal as I was listening to him. And I said, let me see the presentation. But I wasn't going to pay much attention to what he had to say. Because what could he possibly share with me, Kevin, that I didn't already know? That was my mentality. So he says to me, I want to start by walking you through the amortization schedule. And I said, sure, let's go through that. And he pulls up a $200,000 mortgage at 6%. And in it, we look at the monthly payment, which was eleven nine nine and 10 cents. That was the monthly payment on that mortgage. And he's showing the amortization schedule. And it says here, of course, can we agree? We saw $100 that goes to the principal and a thousand and change that goes towards the interest. We saw the columns and we looked at it. And we agreed. Person made payment number one, they're paid down to line number two. We agreed. They start in January. And this is the payment for February. And what, what March looks like. Here's where he got me. He said, Jason, what would happen if we agree the person made the first month payment and we can look on the screen and what is the principal payment for February? I said, the principal payments is $200 for February. And we saw that the interest was just about was $9.99. I said, okay. He said, what would happen if a person prepaid they did not wait till the very next month to make that full payment, but they prepaid it in January once they've made the first month's payment. What would happen if they did that? I said, well, you, you tell me. He said, well, we would be on line three, wouldn't we? Because we would skip a line. I said, yes, we would be on line three. Because every time we make a prepayment, then you know, we, we, we jump over um, the following month. I said, okay, we, we agree on that. He said, here's my question for you. What happened to the interest of $9.99 for that month? And I said, well, that's been, that would be cut or it would be... Reduced is what would actually happen. He says, no, it was eliminated. The person never paid it. I said, let me walk with you. Let me, just one second, I said. I said, let me make sure. Let me go back over what you just said. In the, we made January's payment, I said, of eleven ninety nine. He said, yep. We can agree that February's principal payment is $200. And then we see the interest is nine ninety nine. We were prepaying the $200 in January. We're not waiting till February the 1st. So, okay, we prepaid. I said, are you telling me that we've skipped to March and we didn't have to pay the 900 $99 of interest associated with that principal? He says, yeah, that's what just happened. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Let me, let, let, let me look at this again. I'm looking at the amortization table now, not realizing that when we make payment, we have a principal payment, which you all know, and an interest. But every time you prepay, you cancel the interest associated. So if I prepaid half of it, then I canceled half the interest. Rather than saving $1,000, I would save $500. I did not realize that. So is that, so is that the same? Same as paying an extra payment and saying apply all the principal, or does that automatically happen? Everybody knows that when we prepay, we save, but not everyone knows how to read and understand the amortization check. That's a different story. No one has actually showed it to you, broken it down to you, to share with you. We all know that we save money, but do we really know this is how much interest we cancel? In other words, the, the concept is what we call interest cancellation. That is a concept that no one knows. Who teaches that? 
that interest cancellation. We don't. So what we've realized is that when we make prepayments on a loan, any debt, we cancel the interest associated with it. Now, to actually see that being canceled or eliminated to meaning that the bank does not receive it any longer. Now, if you wait till they can pay it then, they can pay the interest associated with it. All the bank has simply said to us is okay, you're going to buy a $300,000 home for 30 years. However, if you make every payment on time, you're going to pay back to the bank $300,000 plus, let's say, $200,000 in interest. Make up a number, okay? $240,000. That's what you're going to pay in interest. But the bank simply says, for every month that you take your sweet time and paying them back, you're going to pay that interest. Now, if you paid it all to them up front, then you would have canceled the interest. That is a concept that most people don't really understand. But when we share it with them, that you mean to tell me that I just canceled this interest that the bank did not actually receive any longer? That's what actually happened? They don't get that. And so that's what we show and that's what we do. I'll give you another example. Um, we had a situation when I was in Bermuda doing a seminar. And at the end of the seminar, we had professor okay, from Columbia University was Bermudian that was there, PhD. Got up in the middle of the presentation, told me, no, that's not how it works, Mr. Thomas. The interest that you're telling everyone here that they canceled, you have to pay that. And we went back and forth. She stood up and everyone's looking at her. Now remember, I just have a bachelor's degree. She has a PhD. And she comes up no, that interest you have to pay. I said, no, 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 no. Understand this. Every time you prepay, you cancel the interest. She said, no, that cannot be possible because that's how the bank makes money. I said, we agree that the bank makes money when you pay the following months principal and interest, and that's what the bank makes the money. She battled me for the next 10 minutes to explain that you have to pay the interest. I pray that God will give me something in my brain to share with her and the audience because they are now on her side and not my side. And it hit me. I said, here we are. We have a $200,000 on Can we agree? Looking at the amortization schedule, you will pay back over $400,000. He said, yeah. I said, okay. We can also agree with a 30-year mortgage. We can agree on the number of payments that we have. We have 365 that we have to make. You say, yes, that's true too. Can we agree on the first one, on line one, we have to pay $1,000 of interest. Yes. On line two, $9.99. And every month it gets shorter and shorter. I said, here's an example. You've just made your first payment on this mortgage. She says, yes. Can we agree? We have line two through 365 left to pay. She says, yes. And on line two, the interest is $9.99. Let's say you live in New York, right? You just hit the lottery. Now the balance is $1.99 and, and, and change that you owe the mortgage because you made the first month's payment. She said, yes. I said, here's my question. To you. Are you going to write a check to the bank for the $199 and change because that's the balance? Or are you going to write a check for the $199 plus the interest? She said, I'm only going to write a check for the $199.80. So I said, in other words, you've canceled all the interest between line two and line 365. <laughs> <laughs> She looked at it and she said, you know what? You're absolutely right. And she took a seat. Now, here's the moral of the story. People with PhDs don't know how to read and understand an amateurization schedule. Why? Because it's never been taught on any level of financial education. No level. That's what's been happening. This is a PhD who teaches mathematics, telling me about how the system works. And I had to use an example like that to shut her down, unfortunately. That's what it took. They just wow. don't know. And if a PhD doesn't know that, what does that say about the average individual they don't who know. has a mortgage? Just a mortgage now, they have student loans. They have car, car notes. 
They have all of them. They don't know. They just don't know. So you mentioned a good point. Um, does this method only work with mortgages or does it work with it student loans and cars? all interest-bearing debt. Let me give you an, an idea, an example. All of us have been trained, talking about the science of debt, show you how it works. Can we all agree? The banks make their money off the interest, right? Agree. So when you sign up for a loan, let's go back to a mortgage. Remember, it could be a car loan or anything. You know. When you decide to purchase that home for $300,000 or that car for $50,000, can we agree? We have to give that back to the bank. That's not negotiable once you've signed the contract, is it? Right. Now, you agree. The only thing that we can control is how much interest we pay. Correct. Okay. So if we agree on that, does it make sense then, since there's one aspect of a debt that is edged in stone that we cannot control, and that is the principle of we have that. Well, there is one factor of a loan that we can focus on that we have control over, and that is the amount of interest that we pay to the bank. Right. So then why is it that most of us focus on the principles as opposed to focusing on managing the interest costs? Let me give you an example. A client of mine has a mortgage and a car. They just got a tax refund and they have $5,000 in tax. The, the husband got onto the program because the wife has very odd house that she works. So we never got a chance to meet with both of us. So she told the husband, you go ahead and you handle this. And he said, sure, fair enough, we'll do that. And so we met, got signed up, got on the program. Now, when it came to paying off debt, the very first thing the system told them to do was to take the $5,000, put it on the mortgage principal. That didn't make sense to her because they owed $15,000 on the car loan and they felt that they could knock this down substantially. So in her mind, she knew that you want to pay the one with the highest interest. So pay off the small debts first. And then once we paid off the smallest debts off first, then we roll that money up to the next debt. And then the very last one we pay off is what? The mortgage. You've all heard that one before, haven't we? Right. Call the debt roll down system. So she calls her financial planner who listens to the husband to hear his arguments. So will we purchase the system and it says to focus on the, the, the mortgage. And she said, well, doesn't it make sense that we put the money on the car? Financial planner says to the boat, that will get rid of the car. Put that money on the car loan. That's what you want to focus on. Why would you want to focus on the mortgage, which is at 4% when you have this car loan that is at 6%. He said, well, then that makes sense. So that's what they decided to do. And she said, oh, and called me up and said, that this is garbage. So they called me up on the phone. He's speaking to me now. She's quiet in the corner. And you can tell because just the tone of his voice had changed because he and I, by this time, had a wonderful relationship. And I said, listen, something he said, well, well, my wife says that we don't have to put the money on the mortgage when we feel we should, we should be putting it on the car loan because that's the smallest debt for us and it has the largest interest rate. I said, okay, that, that, that makes sense. What's she saying? She says, really? I said, yes, it makes sense. I, I, I get it. But is it sound? Is it sound? I said, here's the question I want to ask you. Why? Here's the question I want to ask you. Why? My question is, when you put that money on the car loan, how much interest are you going to save? Now, Kevin, do you think she knew the answer to that. No. Repeat the question again. I said, when you move that $5,000 on the car loan, how much interest are you going to cancel? She says, I don't know. I said, shouldn't you know that piece of information? I said, the philosophy, the person who pays the least amount of interest pays the debt substance. The person who pays the most amount of interest pays the debts off the longest. Doesn't that make sense? Right. Makes sense. The more interest you pay, the longer it takes to get out of debt, right? Because it is the interest that prevents us from more money towards the principal. She said, I get that. I said, is that not important to know? 
alone. She says, I never thought about it that way. You see, because here's the question that we, we teach people to ask. I have $5,000 left over at the end of the day that I can put towards that. All of us have been trained to do this. We are all trained to say, well, how much should I put towards the principal to reduce the balance? I said, nope, that is not the question you want to ask about your money. The question you want to ask is this, for everyone listening. I have $5,000. What debt should I put it to that will allow me to cancel the most of interest? So here's the deal. What we found, that we put this in the program. We did an example. We told the program, we're going to put this in bar. Pay down on a $15,000 loan. Do you know that she will be canceling just over $700 of interest? Mm. Now, follow me very carefully. The same $5,000 put on the mortgage principal would cancel over $21,000 of interest. See, there's a law called the law of diminishing returns, isn't there? Meaning that same $5,000 by putting it on a debt to save $700, ne- neglecting something over here that can save you $21,000. The difference of that is what the bank has gained and what you have. So, I never thought about it. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on someone wanting to put down a larger down payment on a mortgage? Do they put never the larger put da- down a large deposit on anything? Repeat that again. Never put a large deposit down on anything. Let's use a mortgage as an example. We had a client who sold a home, got a hundred thousand dollars in proceeds, okay? Sitting in sitting in his bank account right now. Okay. In his case, he was able to qualify for 100 percent financing. Give you an example, buying a $400,000 home. So his banker and his mortgage broker and realtor told him to put the $100,000 down as a down payment so we can keep the payments the smallest. Now, in his case, he could qualify for a $400,000 mortgage. Obviously, if you put the $100,000 down, the payments are going to be, will be a lot less, correct? Correct. Okay. So if he does that, he has a lot less payment and he starts from, from square one on a 30-year mortgage. So they said, that's the way to go. I said, that's the worst mortgage you could ever make. Couldn't understand. I said, follow me very carefully. Get the $400,000. $100,000 mortgage. So let's put them side, side by side. He has a $400,000 mortgage and a $300,000. Obviously, the $300,000 has a smaller payment. They're both 30-year loans, correct? Correct. Now, if he gets the $400,000 mortgage, can we agree the $100,000 is still in his pocket at this point in time, correct? Because he got 100% finance. Correct. Right. Okay. He makes his very first payment on his mortgage, the $400,000 mortgage. After he's made a hundred, the, the first payment, what do you think he could now do with that $100,000? He could take that $100,000, couldn't he? And now apply that $100,000 to the principal on his loan. He could do that, couldn't he? Yeah. Okay. Follow me very carefully. All of us are listening, using our amortization imagination at this point in time. <laughs> now takes that $100,000 and he applies it to the mortgage principal. The moment that he does that, can we agree it knocks a hundred thousand dollars off. Yes. Excellent. So, talking about the three hundred thousand dollar loan, same person. Now. Here's the question: is, If he followed his realtor and his mortgage broker, and he put the hundred thousand as a down payment, when he makes the very next month's payment, he's on line number two, isn't he? Yep. Okay. Over here now on the four hundred thousand, because he took the hundred thousand and rather putting it down as a down payment, he now puts it down as a repayment. In other words, he passed the loan, made his first payment, and now he says, "I'm applying one hundred thousand dollars to the principal." It knocks his balance down to over three to three hundred thousand. Do you know it knocks over one hundred payments on his amortization table? So when he is on line two of his on the three hundred thousand, he's on line two hundred and something over here now. 
on this one. When we looked at it, he knocked off 10 years and four months. Wow. It's the same money, but he got two different results because of the timing. Now, what made the difference was this. He did not know before how to read and understand an analyzation table. Mortgage brokers don't know. The realtors don't know. Because all of us have always been taught, always put a large down payment. Never put a large down payment. You borrow as much as you can that fits within your budget first and foremost. That fits within debt-to-income ratio. And then you take what you have. You make your first payment. Then you take what you have in the bank now that you are initially going to use as a down payment and you put it down as a prepayment. You'll knock more time and years off of your loan and pay it off the whole estate. So that's also a faster way of building equity. Yes, because at the end of the day, if you've knocked out 10 years and four months, you pay your house off a whole lot faster. Right. And now you've got, got more equity in your property. So and if, we got to come up with that, another 100000 Thank you. A year later, you sold, you sell in the house, you've got more equity in your property. Yeah. Why? Because you paid the bank less than this. Wow. Just this so, what we call interest cancellation. So, so for the person who doesn't have 100000 walk us through mm-hmm. a scenario of just using, let's say my mortgage is $1,500 mm-hmm. every month. Let's walk us through that scenario of just paying that $1,500. So if my payment's due June 1st, do I pay, does it have the same effect if I pay it May the 29th or should I pay it May 15th? See, the, 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 the problem for most individuals, let's agree, all interest is not calculated equal. So we're talking about just the mortgage. You have to factor in the whole scope of things. Okay. What if a person has a mortgage and they have a credit card? Or for, in this case, student loans. Can we agree? The interest on the credit card is calculated by the other terms, whereas the interest on the mortgage is calculated by the month and balance. So now, with the example that you're using, it matches how much money you move and when you move it, if you're trying or attempting to, to save the most amount of interest. So when these questions come, and they're very good questions, what we do in teaching the science of debt, we want to give individuals the basics. What we don't want them to do is leave them to their own mental capacity to make these decisions. Because here's the issue. Banks have actuaries. These guys who do the mathematicals, and they use algorithms. And the algorithm dictates how much money they're going to make. And so in order to beat the banks at their own game, you can't beat them when they're using computers and high-level computers, but you're using a pen and paper and spreadsheet and calculator, it doesn't work. You have to fight fire with fire. So if they're using algorithms to make money, then what should you be using to save money? You should be using an algorithm the exact same way. We use it in our daily life, don't we? When we use a washing machine. Now, we don't spend $300 on a washing machine anymore. You're spending upwards of $700,000 on a machine. Why? Because the machine now has an algorithm in it, meaning that you put the clothes in and no matter how much detergent you put in it, it only uses what it needs and uses the exact amount of water and the exact amount of detergent that it needs. So any more detergent that you put in there, would that make the clothes any cleaner? No, it's overuse, overkill. So point is this, if algorithms are good for our clothes, isn't it good for our money? Yes. Yes. So to answer your question, we don't have people try to figure that out on their own because you just cannot beat the banks at their own game. This is where technology is. Imagine having a system with software that does it for you. All you have to do is plug in the interest-bearing debt, when it's due, the type of debt it is, and 
the algorithms now does all the math to determine exactly how much money to move. Should I save my money for the next three months and then put lump sums down and debt, or do I save it for one month and then put down? So that there's so many different variables, Kevin. There's so many different ways, but can we all agree there's only one fastest way to pay off debt? Just the same way you live in the Georgia area. There's so many different ways to 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 get from let's say from Alabama to uh, Conyers. Do we take the two eighty five? Do we go straight up to seventy five? Do do we do do we which do we do at this point in time is the question. And so what we all use is GPS, right? And GPS right. will tell us the algorithm in it will tell you this is the fastest way to get to where you're going based on where you are. It's the same technology that you use in dealing with money, but it's not in the bank's interest to share that information with you, is it? Because no. the banks are in business to maximize the return. So why would they say to you and to your listening or here is the technology we want to share with you and teach you how to read and understand an analyzation? See, at the end of the day, all of this sounds too good to be true because in the example that we talked about, the same individual or the same family that has a 30-year mortgage, student loans, credit cards, and whatever money that they're using to pay it off. Let's say that rather than 30 years, they can get out of debt, let's say in 25. I can take the exact same budget and cut it down to sometime eight years. Same budget, same resources. What's the difference? We're just making your money small. We're focusing on the interest, when to move the money and how much of it. So the, what is lost in all of this is the issue of what we call timing. It's not the fact that we just have all these debts. The, the key to it now is knowing how much money to move and when to move that money to cancel the most amount of things. That is the science that we teach. About timing. timing. That's not something that you learn on the road. You don't just say, okay, what if I just do this? It doesn't work that way. There's too many variables that are involved because at the end of the day, we all don't have the same amount of money left over. Give you a case in point. Can we all agree the price for gas is different today than what it was last month? Right. Okay. So none of us have the exact same amount left over at the end of the month. It, it, we have variables or triggers in our life. Okay. So based on that, what we do is look at where a person is in their amortization shift. What matters? is this well where are you in your student loan it matters as opposed to where you are in your car loan can we agree none of us get all the debts at the exact same date do we, we our student loan has a has a date on it which is different from the date that we purchased the car which is a different date that we got got a mortgage so we're at different places in an amortization schedule aren't we right and so we don't think of that well where am i in the amortization schedule on my student loan as opposed to my car loan as opposed to my mortgage we don't look at that because take for example can we agree even on a mortgage. The majority of the interest charge that, this, that the bank makes is within the first seven years of a loan. So the last seven years of it, the majority of our money is going towards the principal. They've made all their money already, haven't they? So the timing is, is critical. And most of us don't think that far in advance. And so we say, ah, it's not important to me. We just put, put extra money there on a debt. But what we don't know, small amounts of money can cancel large amounts of interest. It doesn't take much to make a big debt. Small amounts of money can cancel large amounts of interest. Can you believe on a student loan we have a client just an extra $66 towards the principal is canceling over $1,000 of interest on her student loan? Never looked at that. Say that again. Six. <laughs> Repeat that again. Say that again. A dinner date. A dinner date. An additional $66. In her case, will cancel over $1,000 in interest on the student loan. The majority of interest, the reason why most of us don't get our student loan paid off quickly is because of the interest. But what we don't know, just small amounts of money can cancel large amounts. Who would have thought that an additional
additional $66,000 cancel over $1,000 of interest. We don't know that because we never look at it. Right. That's why we don't know. Right. And what we see, we don't see the debt because here's the deal. Talk about the tricks of the trade. If anyone looks at the mortgage schedule, so go pull it up. Just go, go get, click it on and, and see. What you will see in there is the principal and interest column. You'll even see the balance. Let me tell you what's missing. There's a column called the cumulative interest. That is the interest that has been charged from the inception of the loan to the last day of the loan. That column is missing. Some banks have gotten real tricky with it. Here's what they do. They will show you that column, but they will only show it to you in a calendar year. In other words, what the amount of interest is from January to December, and then it resets back to zero again, and they'll show you next year. But they will never show you the cumulative interest, what you paid from the inception of the loan until now. Because if you saw that, you would swing it. So because it's not there out of out of sight, out of what? Out of mind. And because of that, because that is missing, and I, I believe firmly, listen, I'm a very optimistic person. I firmly believe, and I keep telling this in my seminar, the reason why the banks don't show that on that, on those statements, is simply because they just ran out of ink. They just ran out of ink. They, 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 there was just no more space for them. <laughs> So, Jason, let me ask you a question, man. I'm just joking, by the way. Of course, that's not true. They didn't run out of ink. That's a deliberate action. They decided. Deliberately. They they don't want you to know. Go ahead. So, based off of the information that you just provided, and I'm I'm Mm -hmm. focusing on the mortgage piece simply because, obviously, it's a real estate podcast, but all of it goes together. Like, it's all going to save us. Is it safe to say it doesn't matter if you if you know this plan going into Mm -hmm. purchasing a home, it doesn't really matter what your interest rate is at that point, simply because you're going to pay off more and the interest rate isn't really going to matter. Is that safe to say? It does not matter. Let me give you a case in point. Remember in college when we all started in college and the first time we signed up for credit cards, we got all these these invitations in the mail. Water bottles, uh, (laughs) T-shirts. That's it. And we signed up for as many credit cards as we could, right? And we were, we got for we just felt like the king. Because we can take a girl out on a date now and not go, just order whatever you want. <laughs> That's what we did, right? Right. But for us, the limits on those cards were probably about $500, I think. And in those cases, it was about 25% interest or even higher, 29 Talking about the interest now. Does it re- does the interest really matter to you if you pay off the credit card every month? Does it matter? No. In other words, if I charge $100, but I paid off the $100, does it really matter to me that the interest is 29%? No. Uh, but let's say we, we charge $100, but we put $50 down. And we have a $50, ba- $50 balance. Do we still, does the interest really still matter? No, because it's pennies. It's just a few dollars. Isn't it? Right. at the end of the day. So in the same concept here, it does not matter the interest rate because the interest rate that you have, the interest rate that you have been quoted is not the interest rate that you can pay back. It's not true. That's a fact. You know, a 4% loan is not a 4% loan. It's upwards of, I got it. All right, go ahead. So what we're talking about here now is the interest rate that you have been quoted is not the interest rate that you actually pay. Well, we get excited because we're at 3% and 4%. A 4% loan is not a 4% loan, it's a 71% loan. Okay, how you cut it? 6% more is not 6%. When you add up the amount of interest that you pay until you make your very last payment, it's 115% in all actuality. So the interest rate that you've been quoted is not the interest rate that you actually pay. Let's go back through it again. A 3% loan is not a 3% loan at the end of it. It is going to be upwards of 51%. So as a former mortgage broker, if I told everyone I'm signing up for a 51% loan, 
will say, no, I don't want that. But pull up, just pull up, go to any amortization schedule and type in the loan amount and type in 3% and you will see the cumulative interest on a mortgage. Let's just use, let's use an example of, of a $100,000 mortgage at 3%. The total amount of interest that you'll pay on that is $51,000. Now, when you add the 100,000 to it, that's $151,000 that you pay to the bank. Now, does that sound like 3% to everybody? No, it's a 51% loan all day long. I don't care how you cut it. So we show people the truth about a loan. And once you realize your 3% is a 51% loan, you start to look at it differently because when we hear 3%, the assumption is that is cheap money and that lulls us to sleep and we take our time in paying it. But in actuality, a 3% loan is a 51% loan and we can do the math to prove it. Because instead, it says it. So for, remember when everyone closes on a loan, they get to the truth page. Remember that sheet on yep. the loan document? Yeah. And we see a foreign interest rate different from what we've been talking about all along. Am I right? Right. Okay. That's where you first find out the truth about your loan. In the truth of lending. It's not 3%. It adds up the total amount of interest. And what we heard is, ah, don't worry about that because you probably won't be in this house for very long. Seven years and you'll just sell it. Don't worry about that. But if you make every payment on time and never late, that's the total amount of interest that you'll be paying back to the bank. 3% loan is much higher than that. Okay, that's the truth about the matter. 6% is 115% loan. Wow. Okay? That's exactly correct. Wow. So what we are focusing on is not what you've been quoted, but what you're actually paying. And what we're doing for you is saying this, if we can cut your interest costs by up to 75%, then that's what we want to do. And that's how we're able to help our clients. So we slash their interest costs by up to 75%. They don't even know, first and foremost, Kevin, how much interest they're really paying. But we have to disclose. That to them. This right. is what you've really been charged. Okay? So, so I think we even jumped over. What's the name of your program? <laughs> the, the the name of the program we call it the new name is called Einstein is what we call it now um, under the future family finance um, umbrella that we have, and it is the. First, what we call is an interest cost calculator. So it's a debt elimination software that we actually have under our brand called Einstein Wealth. And what we do is showcase to individuals what the first thing we do is we do a free analysis for everyone. And that is to show them the month and year that they're going to be debt free. First thing we do, because not everyone qualifies for the program. If we, in the analysis, you paid all this money to the bank, then there's nothing that we can do for you. And in many cases, we're not able to help you save. But for the average individual, we plug all of their debt including the mortgage, obviously, which is the main one. We show them the month and year that they're going to become debt-free. And then we share with them what their cost, which is going to be based on how much we're able to save them, obviously. It ranges between 2 to 5% of what we're able to save the client. And so we show them that. And then you can obviously say, and remember now, this is based on their current budget we're talking about. This is not with them getting an extra job, working overtime. With all of us, the only thing you know who want to pay off debt faster, we either have to have more money coming in or we have to do what we call sacrifice, right? We've heard that. There's just some things that you have to sacrifice. Now, since we've been talking, have you heard that word come out of my mouth since we've been talking? Not yet. No. And it won't come out other than making an illustration. That's what others have to do. They have to make sacrifices because that is the only way we know to go about to save money. We don't have to do that. What we're simply sharing with you is with the same budget, we're going to show you how to make your money smarter at the end of it. That's the goal. Wow. So what's something like this cost? 
What's the so investment? It can range. <laughs> it could range from between thirty five hundred to fifty five hundred, depending on the type of debt person actually has. Gotcha. Now, could you imagine that person will look at this and say, "Wow, that's a lot." But if 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 we are in that ballpark, what does that say about how much money we're able to save you? You're saving them a lot. You're saving them a ton of money. Right. I mean, a ton of money. Not only saving a ton of money, but also saving them a lot of time based on their current budget. So that is the difference. So our clients have what we call an enhanced lifestyle. What does that mean? That means rather than telling you, well, you have to cut some of these trips out. No, if you take one vacation a year, you can possibly add a second one and still get out of that even faster. Because what we're doing is simply showing you make your money smarter. And by doing that, you can still do the things that you enjoy. That's what makes what we do so powerful. Wow, man, you gave, you gave a lot of information. Um, and I know like one of the biggest things, you know, that people are in is debt, you know, <laughs> you know, you know, the biggest, you know, the three biggest things that have people in debt is obviously their mortgage, student loans and their car. That's right. That's um, right. So for someone who is interested in uh, your program, can you provide us with a link so I can put in the bio in the show notes um, so they can uh, get information about your program? And then I also want you to share how they can reach out to you if they have more questions. Sure. So I, I will send you two things. I will send you, and you want to put it in the chat section here? Um, you can you can email, email it to email. me and I'll okay, get it. I'll yeah. email it to you. Yeah. Absolutely. Be happy to do this. Then. I'll send you the detail of how best reach out to us. Got you. Uh, well, tell us how they can reach oh, sure. out to you. Yeah, sure. And then you oh, can send me the link for the uh, for the program the, so we can get on the way uh, podcast. The best way to reach out, I advise everyone who is listening to send us a text. We use technology. You can send a text message to area code 954 triple four double nine two zero repeat that again that's nine five four 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 nine nine two zero just text your name and number to that number to that number saying i was on this podcast if you send a message to that number someone from our office will reach back out to you and send you you can text you text your name number and email and what we will do someone from our office will reach out to you and send you some links and pieces of information that you can look over or set an appointment with one of our associates to get your numbers that is the the best way to do that is to send us a message there. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So for you for you uh, listeners listening or watching this uh, on YouTube, if you think this has been valuable information, please share it, comment, and like it. And then definitely let some of your friends know. If you have any questions pertaining to the debt elimination program, the pill method, definitely reach out to Jason and his team and they'll get back to you. I'm your host, Kevin Jefferson. This is the Real Estate Proverbs Podcast. Have a great night. Thank you for listening and be sure to follow Kevin on Instagram at The People's Lender. We'll see you here next time on Real Estate Proverbs with Kevin Jefferson.